Here is the latest Higher Summits forecast brought to you by our friends at the Mount Washington Observatory. Weather above treeline in the White Mountains is often wildly different than at our trailheads. Before you hike, check the Higher Summits forecast at mountwashington.org. Weather observers working at the nonprofit Mount Washington Observatory write this elevation-based forecast every morning and afternoon. Search and rescue teams, avalanche experts, and backcountry guides all rely on the Higher Summits forecast to anticipate weather conditions above treeline. You should too. Go to mountwashington.org or text FORECAST to 603-356-2137. And here's your forecast for Friday, August 11th and Saturday, August 12th. So the story with this weekend is going to be uh, fog, elevated winds, and chilly temps. And in the, the discussion of the Higher Summits forecast, uh, they are talking about the risk of hypothermia. So let's get into it and see what they uh, have come in here. So Friday, mostly in the clouds with a chance of rain showers in the morning. Mid 40s for a temp, winds northwest at 35 to 50 miles per hour increasing to 50 to 65 miles per hour with gusts up to 75 miles per hour with the wind chill falling to 25 to 35 above. So yeah, that is pretty chilly. Um, Friday night, mostly in the clouds, trending towards mostly in the clear under mostly clear skies. Mid 40s, winds northwest shifting west at 50 to 65 miles per hour with gusts up to 75 miles per hour, decreasing to 25 to 40 miles per hour, with a wind chill again, 25 to 35 above. Saturday, in the clear, trending towards in the clouds with a chance of rain, showers, and thunderstorms in the afternoon. Lower 50s for a temp. Winds west, shifting southwest at 20 to 35 miles per hour increasing to 40 to 55 miles per hour with gusts up to 65 miles per hour all right everybody have fun out there make sure you're starting to pack all that warmer gear okay all right bye studio in the great state of new hampshire welcome to the sounds like a search and rescue podcast where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the white mountains of new hampshire here are your hosts mike and stump I forgot to get a beer tonight, so oh, no. I guess I'll just be drinking water. Yeah, it's all good. 
Yeah, no yep. worries. It's very good. So um, we've got Lynn and James with us tonight. So we have an army of podcasters here, which is going to be fun. <laughs> That's right. Podcasters getting silly. We do. So, Stomp, we're doing some... So, you have this dumb idea, you and Lynn scheme to do this dumb idea to make fun of uh, my verbal tics, I guess you would say. But you have them, too. Oh, yeah. So, it's me and you. Both of us. Oh, for sure. Both of us. So, if we say a certain word, like, I kind of... So, you guys haven't told me what the words are, but I have, a, I have an idea what some of them are. So, if I say any of them, then what are you going to do, Lynn? You're going to ring a bell? Beer bell. And right. I don't know mine either, so I'm <laughs> clueless. You're clueless. Yeah. Okay. So we have. This is such a dumb idea. We have a hundred <laughs> point scale, and if any of us say those words, then we lose a point, and only one will come out victorious. <laughs> in, in unrelated news, Stomp is going to be handling all the interview and search and rescue <laughs> duties tonight, <laughs> so you can focus. <laughs> Correct. Uh, it's great. Correct. Excellent. So, oh, damn it. I probably just did one, didn't I? Oh, was that, was that a demonstration <laughs> no, okay. of the bell or was that? No, I thought I, I thought the, I thought a certain word was going to be a hit, but anyway. All right. So, um, welcome to episode 117 of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. This week we are joined by James from the 46 of 46 podcast. Welcome, James. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Oh, excellent, excellent. So James um, hosts a 46 of 46 podcast, which is an outdoor storytelling podcast based in the largest protected wilderness area in the continental U.S., a six million acre forever wild forest preserve known as uh, the Adirondack Park in northern New York. I feel like the White Mountain should be bigger than the Adirondacks. So yeah. I was like a little sad and disappointed to find out just how big the Adirondacks are because I always <laughs> thought the White Mountains were larger. But anyway, sure. we'll talk about that, James. Oh, that's funny. Um, so in so basically, uh, like our own beloved New Hampshire hikers in the Adirondacks pursue their own version of a four thousand footer list. So in season one of James' podcast, he unwinds the story of his completion of the Adirondack four thousand footers, and he's since gone on to cover seasons focused on winter hiking, backpacking, and some of the lower peaks in the Adirondacks. So James is also a, um, a licensed guide for hiking and camping in New York. Works in the film and television industry, and um, we're excited to learn more about the Adirondacks and about his podcast. All this plus Lynn Sweezy returns. Yay! She has her bell with her. Yay! Uh, Stomp's dumb idea about like <laughs> catching us in word phrases. Snakes falling from the sky. A return to Evans Notch to hike the bald, foose, bald face loop and recent search and rescue news. So I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get ringing that bell. Let's get ringing that bell. So... <laughs> So you basically we ha oh well this is probably another word. So we have certain catchphrases. If we say them, Lynn's gonna ring the bell and I've got a pen with me, so once I discover what the words are, then I'm gonna write them down and not say them. Okay, there we I'm go. Ready. All right, so Lynn, uh besides the bell thing, what else have you been up to? So you were so let me just run down what I'm aware of that we have to catch up on. Emily's hike, which was successful and fantastic. Yeah. Uh we have to talk about your broken foot, you getting back into hiking. You, we want to plug the learning series for Emily's foundation if we're ready. Yeah. And then you were flying a plane, like a small like plane. What the, what's going on? So why don't you just start from the top with Emily's hike and then run down the list. 
That's a lot of stuff, Mike. Thanks for the, all the pressure. But um, <laughs> I watch you like a hawk. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, um, yeah, thank you very much. We had a very successful Emily's Hike weekend. Um, all the team's hikes went off without a hitch. We had an excellent after party, although it was raining all day or most of the day. You know, we were able to take it inside and uh, raise a lot of money and be able to take that money and turn it into things. Um, like you mentioned, Mike, we're going to be doing some um, hiking certification classes. So it's going to be buddy certifications through um, the professionals at Redline Guiding. Nice. And you can either get a three season a winter hiking or an elite certification and all the details for that are on hikingbuddies.org. But yeah, so we hope to, you know, have very successful missions in the future from, you know, what happened this past weekend. Awesome. So I'll, uh, I'll make sure that I link those in the show notes and then, uh, so the, the hiking buddies, charitable website will have the information on how to sign up for the wait list on those classes but I'll, I'll link it in the show notes uh, what about your foot injury because you haven't been able to hike that much yeah the foot is doing really well actually so I just started walking as much as I could maybe three to six miles a day went to all my appointments was careful and I was able to hit three good peaks two weeks ago so I'm um, feeling pretty good and are you retired from slacklining at this point? You're like, it's, it's, you can't be doing that nonsense anymore. <laughs> can, can we call it semi-retired? <laughs> yeah, yes. We'll see. Oh boy. And what about flying in airplanes? I saw that you had posted something about you. Were you flying the plane or just do you have a friend that has a plane? So I have a colleague who has a plane and he flew down from where he is up north of Boston. And this was a graduation celebration for my son who just graduated high school and I thought you know what better way to commemorate that than you know take him up in a plane soar to new heights so my friend was kind enough to take us up um Colin sat right seat was actually able to take over the yoke for some time and did a great job wow. keeping us at yeah at the right altitude and you know, learned all about yaw and pitch and it was really neat. So, um, I sat in the back, it was, you know, three passengers plus the pilot. It was, it was really fantastic. Well, well, maybe, maybe that planted the seed for a future pilot. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. The pilot, Derek Kenny, uh, he was saying that, you know, aviation is in real need of aviators at this point. So, you know, he was hoping to expose Colin a bit and, you know, perhaps maybe he shows an interest in it someday. Yeah, that's that sounds like a fun day. I wasn't sure if you were like all of a sudden got into flying. I was jealous, but that's still a good story. I, I have the bug for it. We'll see what the future brings. Very good. So Stomp, um, 48 Peaks update, anything? Oh, yes. Um, we received a, a brief update from the crew at 48 Peaks, and they just wanted to let us know the hiking fundraiser for the Alzheimer's Association, uh, which occurred just recently. Almost all the teams have completed their 48 Peaks hike and collectively have raised over $186,000 this year. So 
their season is wrapping up at the end of the month. Uh, so there's still time to donate, of course, if you'd like to make a donation and support their vision of a world without Alzheimer's and all other dementia. You can do so at alzheimers.org right slash 48 peaks. So that's good to hear. That's, that's, that's fantastic. That's really close, Stomp, but I just want to make a correction and say that it's ALZ.org, not Alzheimer's.org. Oh, sure. Thank you. ALZ.org, right slash 48 peaks, the number four and eight. You bet. You should ring the bell every time Stomp screws up, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you that. I'll give you a a handicap. You get docked a point just for that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so hopefully we'll get them up to two hundred thousand. Oh, Lynn, I forgot to ask you. So, are you, you did I did I read in the text you're starting a podcast too? Actually, yes, I already started. Um, what? Yeah, <laughs> I know, like I need Secret. something else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the secret's out. There is another podcast that I'm a part of, and that's within the mobile electronics world, so vehicle electronics and technology. And I spent about six years of my career as a, a manufacturer and distributor rep for different brands in that industry. And so we're going to be interviewing the pros. And the cast, the podcast is called What the Pros Know. What the pros know. All right, I will add that to the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Are you uh, are you the only host, or is there like another host that you have? I'm not actually. I was brought on board by a gentleman by the name of Brian Piper, and he okay. runs two other podcasts. So it's sort of one of three similar podcasts. Wow, I'm sure they're not as professional and as tight as we as we run our ship. Right? Wait a minute! Don't get me in trouble here, Mike. You guys are equals. <laughs> okay, well, we'll, we'll get you to tell the truth after a few beers. We'll see. Okay, Stomp. So next up, we have something in here that you put on, which is slasher sexy forecast. Yeah. So I don't know what that means. Well, we were tagged by. Uh, at what Donald Hamilton photographs. And she just basically stated that uh, she enjoys the the sexy, sultry Mount Washington's higher summit forecast that I deliver. <laughs> and like, okay, that wasn't the intention. And I hope that's not how people are reading it, but it, it was sort of funny. So that was not the intent. I mean, clearly I'm, I'm no Paul Bisson. Paul, as many people know, uh, manages most of our voiceover drops and things like that. But the the intention was to have a a very serious voice and uh, to catch your your attention while you're driving north for your hikes. But uh, apparently, apparently, there's some I don't know sexiness out there. So one lady thinks that you have a deep voice. Okay. That's great. Maybe try switching up the music a little bit or something. I don't know. The music. Oh, that the music's been a hit, that's for sure. So far so right. good on the uh the background for that one. You know what can guarantee you that it won't be considered like a sultry uh segment is if you have me do it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, that's a good idea. We, we've been talking about this, but we could mix it up and have you drop it every now and then. That's great. Yeah, could do Funny. that. All right, so we have a couple of uh, like updates on hiking outdoor news here. So this first one, uh, just as sort of a warning, this this covers like um, assault. So if you don't want to hear that, just 
fast forward through this section, but we had covered a story out of Colorado uh, maybe two weeks ago, and shout out to our friend Al, who keeps me updated on this stuff. This is in Jefferson County in Colorado. Um, there was a 20-year-old person arrested, and he suspected in indecent exposure and sexual contact cases on Colorado hiking trails. So we reported a couple of weeks ago that there was a, um, a number of incidents in and around the, I guess, Stapleton Park area, Jeff Jefferson County area of um, lone female hikers running into a, a gentleman who, or not a gentleman, but a man who was exposing himself and in some cases assaulting um, women hikers. So this has been going on for probably, I think, about a month and a half or so. Finally, uh, he was spotted on a trail. Uh, a hiker immediately alerted authorities and a two or three hour search was conducted and the man was found hiding in the woods. So hmm. deputies had said that this, this gentleman, uh, I should got to stop calling him a gentleman, but this, this person, Glenn Braden, 20 years old of Evergreen, Colorado, um, was taken into custody. He was wearing the same clothes as identified by two victims in the same day. And he's been booked on multiple counts of unlawful sexual contact and indecent exposure. So investigators are working to find more victims connected to this case. So uh, it's been going on since April 3rd. There were incidents on June 13th and then three times in July as well. So good thing that they got this this person off the streets because that's, that's super scary. Yeah. Creepy. Super. Yeah. In, insane. So, I mean, I feel like these stories are pretty rare, but it's also like we, you know, Al sent it over and I wanted to just call it out just so that people can kind of be aware that occasionally this stuff does happen, but the creeper is in jail. Thanks, Al. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Okay. Um, and I also think, too, it's a warning, like all these people that, oh, Jesus. <laughs> exactly. as <laughs> <laughs> oh. right. I was waiting for that. Okay. All right. From now on, when I have to say that <laughs> word instead, I'm going to say seriously. So. Okay. Good luck. We, we this got is one. hard. We got one. <laughs> yes. That's too funny. Uh, next one here. A mom of five was killed uh, along a popular hiking trail days after her boyfriend updates their relationship status. Weird. So. Yeah, this doesn't sound good. So a uh, very beautiful lady, uh, Mama Five, killed along a popular hiking trail. I saw the news come out that this, this this lady was missing. A Maryland mother of five who went for a hike on a popular trail over the weekend never returned home, victim of a homicide. So um, I don't really know how much of this is a hiking story or if this is just like a local walking trail, exactly. but they, they are yeah. advertising it as a, as a hiker. So um, we'll link this in the show notes. But my guess is that the ex-husband's probably got uh, some explaining to do. Oh, possibly. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Did they mention any of that in the story? Uh, let me see here. I had read it earlier. That would make sense, though. Just jealousy. They look like they're very, like, fitnessy, And... Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't really say. They have no doubt that it was a homicide, and they're going to be investigating. He urges any would-be hikers to be careful, be aware of your surroundings, and um, 
I guess the boyfriend and her had been hiking as recently as like a, a week before the deaths. He's saying he's grieving. He wouldn't do anything to her. So I don't know. Mm. We'll have to keep an eye on it. Mm, Michael be the judge of that. <laughs> yes, exactly. I always go right to the boyfriend. When that happens. So this, exactly. Can we shut her microphone off, please? <laughs> no. Uh, All right, this next one, Stomp, you pulled this. A snake falls out of the sky, lands on a woman, and then they are both attacked by a hawk. They both end up getting attacked by a hawk. So the woman is walking, she gets a snake drops on her, the hawk sees what happens, and then attacks the woman and the snake and the lady's quote is help me Jesus that's all that Peggy Jones could think to say during the snake hawk attack interesting story so first off where'd the snake come from that's weird maybe a A tree a tree yeah and did the hawk save this woman's life I mean she could have been bitten by a poisonous snake it's a weird story yeah it's interesting her arm is really really torn (laughs) This so much. All right, interesting is the other one. Oh, damn, it's almost so interesting. instead of interesting, I say fascinating. Yeah, I I just have to say it's like you know Mike's doing most of the talking right now, so he does have more exposure. So this may not be a fair game, but it's certainly fun. I'm coming for you too, stop! Don't worry. Yes. <laughs> Um, All right, so snake falls, hawk attacks. This is crazy. The next up is there's a lot of news. People should check this out. Uh, Maui is on fire. There's a number of different areas in Maui. My understanding is that there's a hurricane on the way, high winds, uh, electrical fires probably due to transformers blowing, and then uh, with the high winds, it brushing the fire all over the place. One one town in Maui has been completely destroyed, and Hmm. sounds like they're dealing with a lot of other fires. Everything came in overnight, so... Not a lot of time to react, and they're just not set up to respond to fires like that. Is there any word on how it started? What I read was that they they suspect that with the high winds that the electrical infrastructure may have caused some of the fires to start. Oh, it's shocking. I mean, the the number of fatalities, it's amazing. It's terrible. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, for sure. scary. All right, a little Uh, update. And then the last little housekeeping thing I have here, Stomp, is I picked up an article in, oddly enough, uh, NPR for Cape Coast and Islands did a, a story. They basically republished this from New Hampshire Public Radio end of July talking about the state of the old bridal path and falling waters and that there's a five-year rehab project yep. aimed at making Franconia uh, Ridge Loop more sustainable. So we all know, I mean, we're on these trails all the time and we know sort of the erosion and all the issues that are going on here. Um a little bit about this. They said a surge in use during the pandemic means that, you know, it's not unusual to have more than a thousand hikers a day pass through uh, the Franconia Ridge Trail in the Alpine Zone. And I actually, I did talk to a, for, a forest ranger one time up there and she confirmed that too because they do they do hiker counts. Uh, so I think the trail is pretty well set up on the Alpine Zone, but where the biggest issues are is down below, I think, on falling waters with, with a lot of erosion, right, Stomp? Yeah, I would think so, for sure. But that's a lot of people. Yes. A thousand per, what was the metric, a day? 
A thousand hikers a day can pass through on a summer weekend. Okay. That's a lot. Uh, was that me or him? Are you ringing for a stomp or me? That's a stomp bell. Oh, oh okay. I missed it completely. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. That's I like twice. This game now. <laughs> That's two. I like this game now. <laughs> Keep going, I'm, stop. Say I'm, it again. <laughs> I won't do that. I will not say it. I got it though. <laughs> Correct. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the uh, the budget for so this is a it's a the federal government along with the World <laughs> Trails Network and the AMC are spending about 1.8 million on these repair efforts. So I've I saw them up last year doing some measurements and some planning activity and I talked to one of the people from the World Trails Network about it and they had said that they were going to really start doing a lot of the work this year and into next year so i think if anybody's hiking on franconia ridge and you're on old bridal or falling waters and you see people out there working just make sure you give them a shout out maybe pack an extra snickers bar to give them when they're working because they're really uh, doing a lot of important work here and stop hopefully whatever they end up doing they figure out how to make falling waters a little bit more navigable for um, newer hikers because that seems to be like the, the hottest spot for search and rescues. Mm, no question about it. I mean, it's a big question. What need, what needs to be fixed or corrected or rerouted? Who knows? But, um, well, I mean, what is erosion? Um, are you talking water well, bars or what, what exactly are they getting at? I mean, I would think the, the sections by, the river crossings on falling waters those the, the, you can't even use water bars on those in most cases because it's really just like you know you're kind of hiking on a on a waterfall as it is but the downside of that is I wouldn't ever want to see them take the trail away from those sections either because I think that's part of the attraction of that whole section mm-hmm. is hiking up along the waterfalls sure absolutely so I'm not even sure if like a reroute is in the uh, the cards, but um, that might be a neat option too. Is to have um, the original trail and a reroute. Just take your pick. Um, that's obviously like wishful thinking, though. At this point, yeah, because you could, in theory, do like a reroute, go farther to the south, and then make the loop trail go by the waterfalls, and then people can pick they want to bypass it or it's just a sort of a safer option going down right that seems reasonable but who knows politics or we'll see but uh, make sure you keep an eye out on franconia ridge for those trail workers they'll be out there for the next four Mm -hmm. years (laughs) uh next up is a little bit of pop culture talk here stomp so i don't really have much to add but you had a couple of things here that you wanted to uh to go over yeah well uh people tag us for reels quite a bit and um it's a personal bias of mine and you all here could probably talk me out of it but the second i hear music or see a celebrity face doing a a meme face i generally can't turn away or move on to the next one uh yeah so if in my in my opinion if you want your reel reposted by us uh that's probably not the best approach <laughs> according you're talking about instagram according right? to me yes on instagram i generally lean towards the uh the reels that contain just natural ambiance and uh 
you know, just unedited and everything else. But it's just a it's just a quirk of mine. What do you think, Mike? Am I being overly dramatic? Oh yeah, you certainly are. What? <laughs> yeah, you're very dramatic. Um, I don't know. I you you run the Instagram. I think. I just uh, I don't know. I I have a lot, big variety of what I like. So I just if I laugh on something, if it's a celebrity, if it's music, I'm fine with it. All right. I'm not going to repeat it, but I. By the way, phrase. Speaking of this, I have I have a video that went viral on TikTok. Has a million views. Get out of here. Yeah, it's it's a six second video of Turks and Caicos where I say that I'm in Lawrence, Massachusetts at the Mountain <laughs> River, and I got a million views. <laughs> so I'll post it in the show notes if people want to look. It's ridiculous. Who the heck so, is looking up that? Was it because of the hashtag? I don't know, but I just did this. I had this amazing video of like this private beach in Turks and Caicos. I remember that. I just did. It's a. It's just a pan. I just panned across the the beach, and then I wrote Lawrence, Massachusetts, the Merrimack River, Lawrence, Massachusetts, and it got a million views. So (laughs) it's not rocket science. Oh my goodness, that's really funny. I love it. Yes. Oh boy. Uh, Okay, and then you had you're watching Netflix, The Deepest Breath. I watched this for about five minutes and shut it off. I just couldn't get into it. Oh really? You think so? Oh, I mean, it was just intense. You have these people that are uh, doing these world record dives, 130, 140 meters deep, and um, this documentary is pretty interesting. And there is a twist at the end that you won't see coming, but um, it's it's incredible. I think we might have mentioned this briefly in the the last episode. really well done and they capture the depths as well so it's uh it's a very frightening sport but i think this um documentary is well worth the watch if you're into uh daredevil antics Yeah, it's Excellent. great. I'll, I'll link in the show notes if people want to check it out. I, I mean, I, I probably will go back to it, but I'm watching The Witcher right now, so I'm a little oh tired. Oh my up. goodness. Don't, let's not talk about that. I'm so disappointed with it as it moves on. Shame. Shame. Uh, don't, yeah, don't give it Okay, I won't. We're, we're like plotting through it just to, to do it, but it's... Mm, all right. But anywho, hey, everybody, you can just a reminder, you can get your free stickers, slasher stickers at Ski Fanatics off of uh, Exit 28 here in Campton or at Spinners off of Dascom Road in Massachusetts. Um, I think that's, uh, what is it, North? No, it's Andover. I always mix that up. And by the way, have you guys seen the flooding pictures from Andover and North Andover? Un- yes. Unbelievable. Uh, a couple restaurants were just totally destroyed. And that was where we used to live before we moved up to New Hampshire. Um, unfortunate situation. But uh, anywho, grab your stickers. And uh, we do have a couple donations. Thank you, everybody. First, we have Nicole Gagnon, who donated five coffees at Buy Me a Coffee. And uh, she's just glad to have uh, us available to listen to. And uh, we thank you for your listenership, Nicole. And what Donna Hamilton photographs donated five coffees. Thank you, Donna. Um, thank you, Donna. And then uh, George and Chris donated five. And I, you'll have to translate this one for me. I'm not quite sure what it means, but it says for a few MBs. What the, what is that? Microbrews. I, I was trying to figure out what MBs meant. Yeah, I would think so. Microbrews. Okay. Yeah, I think so. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much, George and Chris. If we're if we're wrong, please send us a message and correct us. 
And that's all we have for donations. Okay. So next up is, I almost said um, a word, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> um, Interesting. Next up is beer talk. Beer right. talk. So uh, I didn't bring a beer I'm gonna crack with me. I just have my water. I'm going to crack my new fave open, okay? Here it goes. Okay. Hey, do we still have James with us? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm here. I'm just. I'm just waiting for one of you guys to say one of these words. I'm just staring at the list over here yes. in anticipation. Oh, that's so great! Now you 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 have guests on, but like you do a lot of solo podcasts too, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty good split of that. Huh. So this is a little bit different with like um, the back and forth. Oh no! I mean, I do. I have guests, but I, I rarely have more than one person. Usually, it's you know, a, a two-way conversation. When you guys have three people and let alone four on this, it's like you guys can really riff. So I'm just enjoying the, the camaraderie that I'm experiencing right now and just dying for more of these words to be said. Yes, it's it's very chaotic with four of us here, but it's working. Oh, it's working for sure. Okie <laughs> Wait a minute. That's good. Nope, nope. You're going to get a bell for that one. Oh, come on, it was okie dokie. Is that the same thing as okay? Oh. I feel like conjugations count. Oh, I don't all right, know. All right. It's all right. I'll give you that one. I was, all right. So, so you're testing the waters. Are you, are you drinking? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I have a delicious, this is my new fave. So it's a super fresh, a wicked double uh, IPA dry hopped by Peak Organic Brewing. Can you guys see this? Guys and girls, see this? Yeah, it's really decent. Um, it's eight point five, but it's just really tasty. It, it actually tastes more like a regular IPA, but um, it's locally sourced, bright, juicy hops, and certified organic, and um, it's delicious. It's my new fave. What can I say? Great. And I'm drinking Amesbury filtered water, which is lovely. And then, Lynn, uh, you are a, a, a fellow water drinker, I believe, right? Or coffee? No, I'm drinking hot chocolate with notes of chocolate. Hot chocolate. That's an oh, interesting choice in August, but go for it. <laughs> go for it? Interesting. Oh, in, that's right. That's right. I said, uh, I feel like the, that word, if I, if I say it should just, if I only say it as a standalone, if it's part of a sentence, then I, anyway, we'll talk about that after the show. <laughs> and James, are ones? you drinking anything tonight? Uh, right now I'm not drinking anything. I'm just, uh, I'm just going with the parched life at this point. <laughs> parched right. life. Are you in general a beer person or no? No, not really. It's not really my, uh, my forte. I'm more of just like a water only type of person because I'm kind of boring and plain like that. Yeah. Unseltzer, also a big seltzer guy, but that's like basically water. Hyponatremia. True. Yeah. I honestly, like I, for many, many years, I was not a beer drinker. I just kind of got back into it during COVID and I do like beer, but I, I could probably shut off and, and be fine for the next 10 years, but mm. I feel like content for the show. I'll, I'll have a, I'll have an IPA occasionally. <laughs> Hey, whatever works. That's right, right. That's right. Um, all right. So, recent hike stomp. Have you been out anywhere? I have not. I have been nursing my left heel, my posterior tibialis. For all you rehab people out there, has really been throwing a tantrum. And um, I'm at the point where I can certainly hike, and I have hiked, but it's present when I hike. And what I'm trying to do is rehab it back to where I can run again. Um, it's it's just a basic tendonitis. This muscle connects right down deep into the arch of your foot, and um, 
you know, we can do these certain tests where you just try to do a heel raise. And I'm finally at the point where I can raise up on one foot on my, my toes without pain. So it's been like literally a month. So I figured I could uh, continue to hike, but I opted not to hike just so I can get back to a healthy arch. It's really weird, man. I'm strapping my um, arch with tape, like doing arch splinting and wearing orthotics to prop my arch up. But it's very strange. And I'm still looking for suggestions as to the best uh, trail runner to supplant my running shoes. So if anybody has any input, please let me know. I'd love to hear it. So, yeah, I got nothing. But we'll see. I suggest Brooks Cascadia's. That's what I use. Okay. Why? I mean, I, I what what I would love to see is the the uh, sole of a boot in a sneaker, so like a three quarter last we call it, which would cover your heel up to your toes, or uh, yeah, basically your toes. So three quarter last, which is really inflexible because flexible shoes are just killing my feet at this point. Oh well, I would not suggest Brooks Cascade. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right i'll uh take that under advisement (laughs) yeah i don't know they work for me so but good luck in your good luck in your search for the perfect shoe right Uh, if anybody has any advice please message stone (laughs) thank you thank Um, you very much (laughs) all right so i um see i almost slipped um I was out on, so I had Saturday afternoon, I had like the full day, I just had to be back to take Mrs. Mike to the adult Storyland uh, event, so I'll talk about that in a minute. But I chose to go up to Evans Notch, so James, I don't know how familiar you are with the White Mountains, but Evans Notch is like the, it's the farthest like eastern section of the White Mountains that part Mm -hmm. of it goes over into Maine, and there's a section there called the Bald Face Loop, which is pretty much one of the most beautiful hikes in all of New England in my opinion. So it's a 10 mile loop and I got out there at like 6 in the morning. I didn't see it. I saw two people at the shelter and then I just headed up and I did like the the it's it's a it's a pretty steep climb so there's lower ledges that you have to clear and there's views that are unbelievable from the lower ledges then you've got the upper ledges which you have to navigate and then you have the shoulder climb up to this tableland section then you're on the tableland section and then you go up into north baldface and then you know it's like another four miles of ledges that you're hiking on so it's just you're mostly above tree line after the first mile and a half two miles uh so it's it's just unbelievable. I don't know. Have you ever done it, James? No, I've never done it. Sounds awesome, though. Yeah, I've actually never. I've been to New Hampshire. I've been all over New Hampshire, but I've never done any hiking there. But okay. uh, I haven't gotten into the into the whites yet myself. No. Sounds awesome, though. Anything yeah, no, about tree line is a great time. Yeah, no, it was a great day, and it's a really unique area. Um, Stomp. I almost feel like it's like if you if you like took the Moat Mountain Range and sort of twisted it into a circle. That's that's sort of what the bald face is like except for that table section but mm, it's i can see that's really nice i mean yeah yeah. a lot of people have been hitting it since we covered it i'm not taking credit for that but it's just been popping up every week now uh people venturing a little further out of the whites into these newer cooler areas uh so that's cool 
Yep. And I wrapped it up. I went to Emerald Pool. There was a bunch of like just kids there swimming and I went stomping in with my shoes on <laughs> and I was just cleaning myself off because I was all muddy. But there was a pretty big crowd there. So there wasn't any naked people swimming around there like one time I went there. But <laughs> it was it was a great day. And then I got home and we went out to dinner in North Conway and then I got tickets for me and Mrs. Mike and my father-in-law and my daughter Caroline and her boyfriend. We all went to Storyland. They had um, adult night at Storyland. So this is like a kid's amusement park for people that aren't familiar in Jackson. They do nostalgia night where it's 21 plus. So you go and they have drinks you can get and you know you can ride all the rides so we went on some of the roller coasters we went on like the teacups the turtle ride all the fun stuff so it was really good time that sounds really fun actually yeah it was a blast it was a blast and it was so nostalgic because i haven't been back there in like 10 years because we used to go every year with the kids and to to see everything and and just get to ride it it was just it was really fun (laughs) did you try the uh what is it like a nerf ball rifle range where you're shooting yep. yeah you do that yeah we went in there that's like doctor something's <laughs> I forget what it's called loopy laboratory or something that's like so that great. matter of fact the lady that took my ticket her her water bottle she had the Alzheimer's stickers all over it so I told her that you know I know I know the uh, you know Alzheimer's so she was like oh I did it and she was so excited so it was it was fun to see that good time all right, stop. So that's all I got for recent hikes here. We got an advertiser. All right, so Vaucluse gear. Do you have a sweat problem? Sweat can be extremely uncomfortable on the trails. Plus, sweat is a serious risk factor. As your clothes get wet, your core temperature can dramatically fluctuate. This can result in hypothermia, heat exhaustion, and dehydration. Uh, sorry, guys, I'm super distracted by Zylo. He's like chewing electrical cords in the corner over there. Get it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, kittens. So, back to hypothermia. This can result in hypothermia, heat exhaustion, and dehydration. We've got good news at Slasher for you. There is a piece of gear that solves the sweat problem. Vaucluse's ultralight ventilation backpack frame. The frame is a backpack accessory that easily installs in your favorite pack, size 15 liters to 65 liters, and creates a ventilating airflow gap between you and your pack. It's also ultralight, weighing less than a pair of socks at just over three ounces. Whether you're hiking in hot or cold temps, the ultralight ventilation backpack frame is a real game changer when it comes to airflow and ventilation. So visit vaucluesgear.com to order an ultralight ventilation frame today. Use promo code SLASHER, S-L-A-S-R, to enjoy a $5 discount. Plus, you let them know that Mike and Stomp sent you. Yes. Super cool. So, we have some notable hikes. If anybody's interested, you could tag us for a notable hike of the week mention on Instagram. And we have a few here. So we have Liz Faye uh, tackled the Fool Killer. So she bushwhacked up to the Fool Killer, which we talked about in the past, which is a sub-peak off of Middle Tri-Pyramid. I believe it's, what is it, Sabaday Falls Trail. Um, so that's super cool. And she also tagged us for a second tag uh, just today 
for Three Ponds, um, Mount Kineo, and the Hubbard Brook Trail. And they were tracing up there in that region. If anybody's not been up there, it's a really beautiful, remote region of the Whites. It's definitely worth checking out. And for people that want to do some nice, easy bushwhacks, if you take the Mount Kineo Trail up to the high point of the trail before you drop back down into Hubbard Brook, you can bushwhack to the two other Kineos. I believe there's two or three Kineos, but it's a very modest bushwhack right off of that high point. All right, so we have E.C. Banks Hikes, New Hampshire, was redlining eastern side of the Sandwich Range, and I, I can't list them all here, but this person was killing it out there, just covering everything. James Phoenix, 86, banged out four T25s, including the Castle Ridge, the Sphinx Trail, Six Husbands Trail, and, a, and Castle Ravine Trail. Can you believe that, Mike? in one day that's just like torturing yourself <laughs> although honestly when I was doing the terrifying 25 list I think I had like I did one day like that that was brutal so oh, like yeah up Cass, up Caps Ridge down Sphinx back up the Great Gulf and then down yeah it was you do crazy stuff with that terrifying 25 mm-hmm. list yeah no doubt okay so hiking fees my soul tackled <laughs> that's a curious wah, wah. I don't even know what that one would be, but that's okay. I was a little late on that one. You said okay. (laughs) Oh, damn it. (sighs) Okay. Oh, shit. I would have never predicted. (laughs) Lynn, I would have never predicted that he was going to do worse at this than I I am. Yeah, you're winning right now, Mike. Uh Uh-oh. All right. Adams with Pup Miles. Next, we have Margaret. (laughs) who is the cute little age of five, who apparently hiked Eagle Crag, North and South Baldface, and Eastman Mountain in seven and a half hours for her numbers 46, 47, 48, and 49 out of the 52 of the view. That's like a mouth dropper right there. Wow. And so she's five and she's almost done with the 52 of the view? Yes. Yes. You sure she's not 50 and they just (laughs) forgot to put a zero on there? I'm just passing on what was sent to me. It said five. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And then uh, just the last two here. LB Boyd, South Bald Face Ledges. And then Robert Boyd also did the Bald Face Loop for 49 and 50 and 51 out of the 52. So, man, people are killing it. So... That's, I don't know where all these people that were on the bald face were when I was hiking because I didn't see a single person. <laughs> I, I saw the two people at the shelter and then I saw only people when I got down to Emerald Pool, which is like a half hour or half a mile from the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows what's going on with that? But uh, what do you think, Mike? Are there any winners or a winner? <laughs> what do you think? The, it was that stomp or me, Lynn? That was me. That was stomp. Oh, good. Uh, I would say the five-year-old for sure. As a matter of fact, the five-year-old, it's impressive because I, I did the same hike and Eastman Mountain is pretty close. It's like, okay, it's maybe a mile out and back off the trail. And then Eagle Crag or Eagle Cliff or whatever it is, that's like not even like, that's like three quarters of a mile maybe or an extra mile. Okay. But I just blew them off because I was like, eh. oh, damn it. Oh, yeah, that's him. He keeps saying stuff. <laughs> no more affirmative so, phrases by Stomp. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Damn it. Anyway, um, but 
but I was too lazy to do those. So I'm giving the five-year-old props for, for doing those little extra spurs. Yeah. Okay. Oh, damn it. I'm just going to shut my mic off for the next 40 minutes while you interview James. Horrendous. Yep. All right. Well, you have one, one more commercial to do, Stone. Yes. Seek the Peak. Seek the Peak returns this summer and next summer as well with the classic Mount Washington Hikeathon. This annual gathering of New Hampshire's hiking community is the nonprofit Mount Washington Observatory's largest annual fundraiser. Hikers raise funds, earn gear, and celebrate at their Apre hike party with live music, food trucks, and epic gear raffle, beer garden vendors, and people who care deeply about the trails and an inclusive hiking community. It all takes place at the base of the Mount Washington Auto Road. Our hike and make friends option supports all ability levels, pairing hikers with with similar goals for a trek that's right for you. All hikers are welcome to help raise funds for the observatory's Observatory's Summit Weather Station and services like the twice-a-day Higher Summits forecast, educational programs, and research in the White Mountains. Seek the Peak is sponsored by Great Glen Trails and Eastern Mountain Sports. Learn more and register to hike at seekthepeak.org. Slasher's Guest of the Week. Very cool. Very cool. Very, 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 very cool. Very good. Stop. I'm going to now interview James. Is that okay with you? <laughs> sure. Okay, all right. <laughs> You're doing better. Good so, effort. All good right. Effort. <laughs> That was good. All right. So uh, we are going to interview. So James, this is your your big moment here. Are you ready? Born ready. Have Born you ever ready. been on another podcast that wasn't your own, or is this the first time you've been on another podcast? I've been on I've been on tons of podcasts because I like I'm the Adirondacks guy, you know. So it's like all lots of different hiking podcasts. If they want to talk about the ADK, I just kind of naturally become the person they reach out to. So I have done a quite a few actually. Okay. All right. So, well, I thought we were special, but that's fine. We'll, we'll still be memorable. Uh, and then you were ahead of the curve because you started the podcasts probably about a, I think we started in 2021 and you, you've been doing this since 2019, right? 2019. Yep. 2019. I launched, started like writing my episodes. I mean, we'll get into that, but I started the process of preparing the podcast in 2018 and then launched it in the spring of 2019. Yeah, it's been a it's been a little bit of a time now. So we'll talk about the podcast, but can you give us your origin story, a little bit of background on um, you know your early life, and then how you got into um, I guess outdoor adventures and hiking? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Lake Placid, New York, which is right in the part of the High Peaks here in the Adirondacks, which is where I live again now. Um, grew up like anybody who grows up in any small town. All you want to do is get out. That's that's all that matters. And you see all these amazing mountains everywhere you go. It's just a part of life. So what happens to most, you know, punk kids in school, they don't notice them. So like I grew up and 
I'm in this area where it's just like an outdoors mecca in terms of outdoor recreation. And it's a part of culture. So you don't really notice it. Like you go, you play in the woods, you swim in the rivers in the summer and like, you know, you do some hiking, but most of the time it's more of just kind of activities in the woods. So like I grew up almost taking them for granted in a sense. And then, uh, you know, you leave, go to college, go move somewhere else. And I was playing in a band and uh, touring the country. And every time we'd get to out West or we'd get to the Pacific Northwest, I'd look around and be like, God, this is, this is the best. You know, you're in mountains and it's green and outdoor stuff. We go hike over here. We go on this trail and it's that it just like dawned on me. Well, of course you, you like that. That's, it feels like home. It's what you're used to seeing yet. For some reason, when you're here, you want to do these things. But when, you know, growing up, like you never took advantage of it. So that was like kind of a light bulb moment. So fast forward, I, my wife and I eventually moved back up to the Adirondacks. We bought a house, all our family or not all our, both of our parents are here. None of our siblings are here, but uh, we bought a house. We moved back up here. And then I just basically started taking advantage for once of the outdoors. And then the Adirondack park where I grew up just totally transformed to a completely different place in my mind, you know, so I started taking advantage of hiking, you know, hiking, paddling, fishing, everything just outdoors. And now, you know, this, now it feels like a completely new place, but it really was just, you grow up here, you don't notice anything, you take it for granted, then you leave, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And then you come back and you start utilizing it. And that's, that's basically what happened for me. And ever since now, it's just a complete obsession. Like any, anyone listening or any of you guys can understand once you get out there, the mountains pretty much do the rest for hooking you in. Yeah. And I can relate to that story so much because I, I went to college in the Berkshires and, you know, I did my share of you know getting in the rivers and, and wandering around the woods and, and things like that. But I never realized how privileged it was to be in that area and I always look back at that time and regret like oh man I could have been hiking every weekend but instead Mm -hmm. I was like bellying up to the bar and doing the things that college people do so I can relate to that so when did you I guess when did you really get into hardcore hiking Uh, I would say that was in yeah that where I mean I had you know, again, like when you live here, it kind of becomes a part of the culture where, you know, you go here and there. But like when I actually started going for real and consistently and all the time, as opposed to just, hey, you want to go for a hike today? Sure. Why not? And then maybe a year later, you might go on a hike again. That, that's that been like my whole life kind of doing that sort of thing. But actually legitimately getting into it and it be taking over my life in a sense was 2018, early 2018. Yeah, I had like basically... Starting in 2014, I had a, well, since 2014, I've had just like a total life transformation, you know, lost a hundred pounds and just completely transformed my life with lifestyle changes and becoming more active and stop eating so stupidly and, you know, that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, in 2018, it was like, I went and hiked a mountain because there's these, so here in the ADK hiking challenges they're like they're a big thing people love to do them there's lists you know it's it's i mean it's a northeast thing it, nowhere else does anyone do that but um you know obviously new hampshire has them as well but here there's so many different challenges so it's like i just started hiking one and i was i climbed a mountain because i was like i want to i i want to finish this little six mountain hiking challenge and i did one in 2018 and wouldn't you know you know when you're in better shape suddenly hiking is a lot more enjoyable it's a lot more fun it's 
and it becomes addicting and it's like oh, i made it to the summit and it wasn't really wasn't a big deal whereas you know like i said earlier growing up it's like you know you do a high peak here or another small mountain there or another high peak there and it's just like when you do it once a year you're never really ready for the mountain it's it always hurts it's always hard it's a challenge you stop a lot but suddenly hiking wasn't too difficult anymore and uh then I could actually start enjoying the the process as opposed to trying to get to the summit just to enjoy the views. Whereas suddenly I could like actually also enjoy the climb and uh, not so much the descent. I don't really enjoy the descent even to this day, but the the climb, I'm all about it. But that was, uh, yeah, 2018 is when it basically took over my life. And that was, I did that hiking challenge. And then of course, what's next? All right, let's, Let's finally become an Adirondack 46er. You know, you grow up in Lake Placid and it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. I mean, it's, it's, it's just embedded in the culture here to be an Adirondack 46er. Or like if you meet someone who's a 46er, it's just a cool thing. And for, I didn't realize outside of the Adirondack park or like residents here that anybody cared about the ADK. And uh, in that process, I learned that the Adirondacks, are a desk. I mean, I always knew it was a tourist town, but I, I learned like it's a destination both physically and like mentally for people. Like Adirondack culture is people are obsessed with it. And uh, that was kind of my introduction to this entire different world that was it's where I live and where I grew up, but like I didn't know it existed. So <laughs> at that point, 2018, the hiking just basically took over and uh, yeah, has never has never really stopped. So that summer I hiked the 46 high peaks and uh, yeah, everything changed at that point. So a lot of our listeners are local to the New Hampshire Northeast area. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'll, I know a lot of my hiking friends, like they go out and, and they'll go out to New York to, to, to pursue the 46, but uh, there's a lot of listeners that haven't been out there. So can you just describe the Adirondacks for people that aren't familiar with it? Sure. So the Adirondack Park, you know, to go back to what you mentioned earlier in the episode where you were hoping that the 80 New Hampshire whites were bigger. The Adirondacks is larger than the entire state of Vermont. So that gives you a good grasp on how big this wow. park is. Um, six million acres. You could take Yellowstone, the Everglades, Glacier, the Grand Canyon National Parks um, and and uh, the Smoky Mountain National Parks. Take all of those, combine them, put them in the ADK Park and the Adirondacks is still bigger. Um, so it's just a gigantic amount of land, six, you know, so over 6.2 million acres. And you don't think about that in New York, but it covers almost a third of the state. And the thing about the Adirondacks is think of a national park and then put some town, nestle some towns in the mountains in them, just like straight up in the mountains. And that's what you get here. So it's a pretty cool place that you don't realize until you know, again, like, like I told you, I grew up here and then you don't care, you know, you just want to leave like any kid in, in a small town. And then suddenly you really start to notice the unique qualities that it has. So that's kind of what the Adirondacks is like. And in terms of mountains and hiking, you know, there's the 46 high peaks, which are, you know, our high peaks over 4,000 feet, but there's thousands of mountains and thousands of miles of rivers and lakes. And it's just like, it's just anything you could want to do you can do it so accessibly everywhere. I mean, I I could drive within 10 minutes of my house and be at, I mean, 15 different hiking trailheads that are actually like maintained trails or 
I want to go fishing here, paddling there. You know, just it's just it's overwhelming, quite frankly. It's like there's so much to do. What should I do? And that's basically explains the Adirondack Park. It's just a rugged wilderness that is so accessible to outdoor recreation, which is awesome. Yeah. And the um, I guess from your perspective, you know, do you think that um, it's possible to like we have like these challenges to hike all the trails in the in the Adirondacks and things like? Do you think it's possible for someone to to cover all of the trail system in such a large area? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you definitely could. I mean, you could definitely hike every trail in the ADK. It's you know, it's a lifetime goal. There's you know, and there's there's a you know, a redlining challenge in like just the High Peaks Wilderness alone, which is. The person who put who you know kind of created that challenge in a sense i think there's only like eight or nine people who have completed just and that's just the high peaks wilderness that's just like one small wilderness zone in the park but um you could absolutely hike everything but yeah i mean it would be a lifetime it would be a lifetime goal do you have if you wanted to and then there's also you know trailless peaks and herd paths but you know like everywhere else so do you have a mileage on the redlining I have to look it up. Okay. I don't know it off the top of my head. I'm curious how it compares to the whites. I feel like, and this is again, this is just the high peaks wilderness. So, like yeah. the actual high peaks mountains, like they're they're in. There's the Dix Mountain Wilderness. There's there's other wilderness zones that they're in. So that doesn't embody all of the 46 high peaks. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was it's over 300 miles, but also I don't remember off the top of my head. But that's the number that's in my head as you as you ask the question. Mm-hmm. I could be completely wrong. But uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a it's a thing for sure. It's it's a it's a challenge, and it's it's a state park. So, is there ever yeah. any talk about like it getting turned over into a, a like a federal national park? Uh, no, thank God, it is yeah. not. Um, you know, th- this you know, people say like the Adirondack Park was kind of like the birthplace of conservation and this the state of New York and this whole kind of concept back. At, I mean, in eighteen ninety two is when this became a you know, protected, um, protected wildlife zone, you know, a basically protected forest preserve, but it's public and private land just kind of meshed in, in one. So it was, it was one of a kind when it was finally deemed a forever wild forest preserve. So there's a lot of history here in that regard, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, there's, you know, it's, it's a state park. I mean, it's the biggest state park in the lower 48 by, by far, I believe Alaska has a couple couple areas that are bigger alaska is quite a uh, quite wild but uh yeah it's uh definitely no none of that federal you know federal um influence coming this way for sure yeah and i know that we talked with um we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago that talked about how the adirondacks weren't really as hit with logging as much as the the white so there's more hmm. old growth forest in in the Adirondacks and you know, it's, I'm assuming that there's, there's gotta be some areas that just feel a lot more ancient than maybe what we, what we get. Sure. Right. No, there is. I mean, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know the comparison between the two, but logging was like an enormous part of the Adirondack culture, you know, back in the 1800s. I mean, New York city, New York city was built from these, from these woods, you know, they, I mean, they logged most of the park, enormous amounts of the park, which was, so Verplank Colvin, he's the surveyor who, you know, conducted the great Adirondack survey in the late 1800s. Uh, he's just, yeah, he's definitely a, uh, 
a player, but he was like the biggest advocate for for seeing what was happening to this place that he loved so dearly and uh, seeing like logging is going to ruin it. We have to protect it. And he was kind of the, the big force for fighting for that. And then, you know, long story short, it became this, you know, forest preserve, which is absolutely amazing. But no, it was, I mean, it was logged heavily, but there are definitely places that are not logged. And yeah, you, you notice the difference and there's, there's a lot, there's some places that, you know, are, I mean, there's nowhere near roads, but you also got to remember the Hudson River starts here. So they just cut down logs and where's Hudson River go? It goes to New York City. So they just fired them down the down the river and down they went. So it actually was logged quite heavily. I don't again, I don't know anything about in terms of logging with the whites, but I do know this place was quite logged. Okay, and then with the Adirondacks, I've always like I have this impression that it's a little bit more, I guess, rigid than what we deal with in new hampshire like can you talk about any unique rules around like do you need a permit to hike anywhere Mm -hmm. what's the parking rules is there mud season i know that you need to use snowshoes Mm -hmm. and that you know you can't just throw on your micro spikes and even if the trail's packed down so can you can you give us a rundown on all that yeah i've I've found that a lot of people a lot of people make fun of the adk because they say there's too much regulation and as someone who like you know, someone who like wants the government to stay out of my life. I find all of the rules and regulations for the mountains are actually good rules and regulations because ultimately they're protecting the mountains. Like I don't care about your outdoor recreation desires or you want to do this. You want to have a campfire here. Like I don't personally care. I care about the mountains and making sure that they're, you know, being treated with respect and they're, in a good spot and we're doing what we can to keep them that way. But yeah, as far as regulations, you know, it's like you can't have campfires in the, in the Eastern high peaks, um, which, you know, bothers some people, but you know, so be it. There's a million other places outside of the East, the Eastern high peaks that you can have campfires. And it's like, it's one of those things where this place is so big that you don't really, if you can't have something here, it's not a big deal. There's a million other places you can, and then I, th- I find that that's kind of what people get upset about. But at the same time, oh, well, <laughs> oh, well, you'll get over it. You can still go and enjoy a, a good time without a campfire. But parking, um, you know, there there is no there are no permits. There's nothing like that. The only thing that has recently happened um, two years ago, this one very popular trailhead that is kind of the access point for a few high peaks called the Osable Club, the AMR. And they started a parking permit system. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of problems and a lot of, you know, people being very opinionated, myself included. I'm a podcaster. Right. So, of course, I'm going to put my thoughts out there. But long story short, they implemented a parking permit for their property. But there's a state easement for access to the trails and to the public land via this this property. But they started limiting people's access, saying you have to have the permit to go on this easement, which we all know that's not how state easements work. So there's kind of a thing with that, um, which drives me nuts, quite frankly. But I'm totally cool. They want people to pay to park in their private property. All good. But when you start restricting access, that's when I say that's that's a problem. That is a complete problem. Can't have it. Can't have everything. Um, 
but outside of that and again outside of like two years ago when that was implemented yeah there's no there's no permit there's no anything like that park park at the trailheads go hike wherever you want whenever you want on public land it's you know most of the all all these trails other than like little bits and pieces here and there are all public land and that's what it that's what it should be it's great and no and no mud season restrictions you know, there's no restrictions, but I mean, there's the D, you know, the, the DEC puts out, you know, um, recommendations or like, please stay, you know, below, below 3000 feet until, you know, they they give you the go ahead or whatever. But, you know, there's no, there's no like laws or restrictions that you can't go up there. You can every, you know, you can, you can go wherever you want, whatever you want. And, uh, but yeah, they, they put their, you know, please stay off the trails at this elevation during this time or that but yeah do you guys have like are there actually laws you can't go above certain places in mud season no we don't do that i think in vermont they've got some trail closures due to mud season and then there's some lower regions in and around new hampshire that do close trails uh due to to months it's usually like three or four weeks just to let Mm -hmm. the trails dry out yeah we do i mean they like again they do that and they've actually honestly this summer because we've had so much rain uh you know, there's, I guess, technically right now, there's even, you know, an advisory. I guess that's really what it is, an advisory. Stay below 3,000 feet. But, you know, the summers here in the ADK, they're very short. So you got to get up. I mean, the snow's coming. What, what is it? August? The snow's coming in six six to seven weeks. They'll start to be snowfall on Mount Marcy. So, I mean, like, our season's so short. So, you know, you can put the advisory up, but, you know, people are still going to get out there. They're going to go enjoy the summer and quite frankly i haven't noticed you know i've been in the high peaks i haven't noticed it feeling any wetter or muddier than any years past whether it's been a dry season dry summer or a wet one it's just you know it's always muddy here it's always muddy true true (laughs) um unfortunately for people that haven't hiked the adirondacks and they're thinking about planning a trip what would you say are like the top four or five mountains or or summits that you'd want to do if you're a seasoned hiker out here in new hampshire and you want to get out there and experience like the the yeah the highest sure. points of uh the adirondacks if you are like a seasoned hiker and you you know this is not a new task you obviously got mount marcy which is the tallest point in the state absolutely unbelievable view so you could just you know add that to the list and then i would recommend the lower great range which is four high peaks gothics armstrong upper and lower wolf jaw that's an awesome hike and some a lot of people add the mountain saw teeth the mountain saw teeth to the mix which makes it five but that's a great hike because you're on a you're on the range and then it's just basically half a mile up half mile down to the coal, half mile to the next summit, half mile to the coal. So it's like one of those fun days, just going mountain summit to summit to summit. Then there's the great, then there's the upper great range. I mean, there's so many, but yeah, these are, these are all high peaks, but these are the places that I would send you the lower great range, the upper great range, Mount Marcy. And then I would send you to the Santanoni range because the Santanoni range is the, that's the range that people fear when they're becoming 46ers. That's the like, Oh, I got to go to the Santanoni range. That's the rugged, that's going to, that's what puts hair on your chest. You know, that's what shows you like, okay, you can handle this. You can, you can do, cause it is, it is a slog. It is a slog. Those would be my recommendations though. Are any of these, um, the, 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 
the hikes of the 46 involve bushwhacks or they all have trails to the summits? No, they all have trails. They're not all DEC maintained trails. A lot of them are herd, you know, herd paths. But like okay. at this point in the game, I mean, I think the Adirondack 46er list is at like 15,000 now. I think I don't really know the exact number now, but yeah, I mean, so even the herd paths, like it's very, they're very evident. There's no bushwhacks. I mean, there's, hundreds and hundreds of mountains you can bushwhack and go to the top and do whichever you want but uh in general yeah, every every high peak has a has a trail to the summit and we have some like epic you know presidential traverse the pemi loop like 20 30 mile hikes and i know i think it's like the devil's path mm-hmm. um and then yeah, the can you yeah oh that's the catskills sorry yeah, yeah. um do you have like any equivalent hikes like like those yeah the great range traverse is what it would be called it's um so again it, yeah it's it's the great range it's like it's definitely the quintessential adirondack hike like if you if you are a seasoned hiker and you're a badass and ready to bang out a monster day that's the that's definitely the 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 hike to do um you start on mount marcy you go down then you go hit the upper great range which is what i mentioned before and then you hit go over and hit the lower great range and then you go out it's like it's not a lot of mileage it's just uh you know obviously like any range hike it's a lot of up you know you just kind of up and down i feel like it's kind of in that 20 mile range it's like again it's not it's not that difficult it's just a lot of elevation but uh you know that's that's what we do right that's what we like to do but yeah i would say the great range traverse would be if you are a seasoned hiker give it a go and there's also tons of bailout points if you needed to but you will likely be very far from your car unless you hike back, which again could still be very, very far from your car. Do you have the equipment? Like we have the Appalachian mountain club where they've got huts and you know, they're around if people get in trouble, typically, you know, you can, you can get into the sure. huts for a break and things like that. Do you have an equivalent? We have, we have like, you know, there's lean twos everywhere all over the park. But in terms of, you know, like the Appalachian Club, Mountain Club, like we don't have, I mean, if you if you need help, you call the Rangers or you get your ass out of the woods yourself. Those are your, pretty much your two choices. Um, but I mean, we have Rangers and they're pretty overworked with the, uh, you know, the influx of people coming to do m- massive mountains that they're not quite ready for. But yeah, there's, that would, that would be, I guess the, that would be our only kind of, uh, your only option option there but yeah there's no like organizations there's the adirondack mountain club but that's more of a more of like a place like a hard to describe i suppose but like a camp you could camp there or they have services but like they're not they're not like coming to get you or help you if that makes sense that's just the dec for yourself yeah, and I do know, like, I, I've, I've read some crazy rescue stories in the Adirondacks. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it seems like the, one of the common things I read in the Adirondacks is, like, a, 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 a fair number of scenarios where young people are out hiking and they get stuck. They don't have a headlamp or they just, oh, yeah. they bite off more than they can chew. It seems like there's a lot of headlamp issues, a lot of... Um, people that maybe they're not you know they're not going out there specifically to hike but they get out there for a night of fun and then they get themselves in trouble but i'm sure there's been some other like crazy rescue so is there anything that stands out to you as far as search and rescue activity that's happened over the last couple of years yeah so i mean i mean the amount of search and rescues we have are just 
it's a uh, it's alarming but also i mean it can't be any different where you guys are or any national park right now with the influx of you know more and more people are retreating to the outdoors and i think that's a fantastic thing i think we should get outside we should get into nature that's i feel like that's what we should be all doing so it's fantastic but it does come with some growing pains right so people you know they need the the knowledge they need the understanding and the expertise and even to be directed to the right size mountain or the right size hiker the right place for them for their current skill level so what people do is they find they they just they ask a local hey where should i go hike and of course a local can tell you mount marcy's because it's the tallest mountain in the state and then you, they end up i call them marcy rats they end up climbing mount marcy you know in tennis sneakers and one Poland spring water bottle. And it's like, this is a 17 mile hike, no matter which way you go. So it's probably not what you're looking for. Um, and then they turn around or get rescued, but yeah, the Rangers are just nonstop. It's definitely become, I guess, problematic. You could say because the state also doesn't fund. I know the Rangers are severely underfunded for the amount of work that they're putting in now. And these guys and gals, I mean, they're out. Some of these people are working seven days a week and it's like, that's a lot of time to be hauling your body up to go get someone at two o'clock in the morning or this or that. But yeah, it's in terms of rescues, the one that comes to mind in particular is I was two winters ago uh, on a mountain called Allen Mountain. So Allen Mountain is one of the high peaks. And of course, you know, I'm, all, I'm just like talking about the high peaks right now, but the Adirondacks is so much more than just the high peaks. That's just like a little sliver of what this place is in terms of mountain hiking or just in general, but it was in the high peaks. Allen is Allen's in, I think it's 18 miles, but it's only one mountain. It's eight miles to get to the base of the mountain. Then you go up, come down and then eight miles back. So, you know, it's, it's a trek, right. To get out there. And in the winter, especially if you're not skiing, it's I mean, obviously it's even more challenges, but there was a woman who was, who was, you know, was off trail, ended up having to be rescued it was a few days, like a few days um, that she was out there and they had they had the volunteer search and rescue crews out there. The D.C., obviously, anybody that they could get out there searching for her. She was like around the mountain on the completely other side of the mountain from the, where the trail was. And, yeah, she I mean, she lost some fingers and toes. It was a miracle that she was saved. But that's a that was a huge kind of uh like a story i guess you could say and again alan is alan's that that mountain that most most people hiking the 46 will leave towards the end they'll put that off until the end because it's a, it's a doozy yeah we have a we have a similar peak called uh, owl's head which is mm-hmm. it sounds very similar it's just a long trek in and then you yeah. know it's a quick hike up but it's it's just a long long trek yeah it's a slog to get out to these mountains and that's that's what a lot of people like complain about the adirondacks they're like all the all the approaches to get to these mountains are so far and it's like well what do you want you want a road you want a parking lot right at the bottom of every mountain come on you got to hike in to get there and uh that's why the mountains that you do park right at the bottom which here is a mountain called cascade and then a mountain called giant that's why they're the most popular mountains in the park because you park right at the bottom you just start climbing but most of them have you know a long like on my podcast, there's like a joke about the long walk back to the lodge because, which is a parking lot or a, a trailhead, because no matter where you are, it's like you're, you get to the last summer of the day. You usually nine times out of the 10, you still have at least seven or eight miles to get back to your car. And that's, that's, you know, it's kind of devastating at the end of a, end of a day, but 
that's that's just the nature of it. All right. So for all the New Hampshire people that are listening to this, like what I'm hearing is essentially like imagine the 4,000 footers in New Hampshire, but every single one of them begins and ends with the hike of Lincoln Woods. <laughs> that's essentially like we have this one section called Lincoln, Wood, Lincoln mm-hmm. Woods, which is like six miles and it's flat. And we all complain and cry about like we call it the death march. But it sounds like you've got multiple mm-hmm. versions of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, there's. So Haystack Mountain, which is the is the upper the first mountain you most likely the first mountain you'll hike if you do the upper Great Range. So going back to like this whole Great Range thing, that alone is nine miles from trailhead to summit. So you know it's just it's just, their mountains are back there, and you know this is an old place. Like you come to the ADK, and that's what people like about it. It's I mean it's kind of a double edged sword in the sense of it's a it's what there's some problems with it, but it's also what gives it the charm is this like old rugged remote you kind of go back in time when you cross over and you see that sign that says now entering the adirondack park so you know it's uh it's just part of it you just gotta there's a few trailheads that you hike all of them from and more than a few i should say i mean there's plenty of them but in general yeah you're gonna you're gonna do a you're gonna do a hike and I mean, dozens of of high peaks in particular. You you can hike from the Adirondack Lodge, as I was saying, and that to get to Marcy Dam, which is like a hub. It's like a checkpoint in a sense. Is is two point three miles, or is it three point two miles? Now I'm now I'm having a brain fart. But regardless, it's like I cannot tell you how many times I have hiked in or out from Marcy Dam. So it's the same type of thing. You know that we have our. We have our areas that you've just done over and over. And a lot of times in your mind, it's like once you get to Marcy Dam, now I can ch- turn my brain off and check out and just, you know, death march, as you called it. Yes. Yeah. So the um, I'm curious, do you have any lists that are comprised of mountains that are below 4000 feet, but have exceptional views? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, a challenge that I started and I run called the Lake Placid Niner. Um Lake Placid nine er.com that. So I, I put that together because, you know, I live in Lake Placid and there's, you know, when you're here, it's, it's the high peaks or bust, but that's what causes people to be, you know, in over their heads. And if they, if they're in over their heads and they go out hiking and they have a bad experience, well, they're not going to do it again. And whereas if you have, you know, an outlet for people to work towards something, like a list, you know, you get a patch, a sticker, you get a roster number, like you can actually like earn something and feel good. And like, you have a tangible thing to say, Oh, I, I earned this. This represents all the memories that I had on these nine mountains. Then you, you have a good time in the wilderness. And I always say like, you're not going to become an advocate for the outdoors unless you have a good time in the outdoors. So I put together the Lake Placid Niner and the way I put it together, because I'm a linear person kind of by nature, I'm a list guy, starting with the smallest thing, easiest task, check it off the list, go to the next one, go to the next one. That's just how my brain functions. And I created a list where there's nine mountains in Lake Placid or all around or in like one town over, just like in this area. And if you hike those nine, every mountain gives you a totally different experience. And it gives you something that represents like a different part of the Adirondacks and a different thing you'll experience in the high peaks. And by the end, you start in the smallest one, you go to the next one, you build a little bigger, you go, oh, this one's a little more remote, you're going to get a little, this one you have to navigate a little bit more on. And by the end, now you're actually ready to climb the high peaks, to get out there. It's almost like a high peaks boot camp in a sense. 
yeah, that's the Lake Placid Niner. And I don't, I don't, you know, plug it because I want to fill out more registration envelopes because trust me, it's hard to keep up with it. But, and I just do it for the love of the game. Like there's no money for me being made. It's just because I love these mountains. I love this area. And I want to introduce people to this park and to climbing mountains because I think it just has such a huge carryover to people's real lives and, you know, what they can now accomplish both in the outdoors and in the mountains and in other aspects of life. I think the mountains are a great, a great teacher in that regard. So the Lake Placid Niner, every mountain is worth climbing many times. It's an easy list to just like, okay, there's a list of nine fantastic hikes that are all below 4,000 feet, some drastically smaller. And there, I mean, there's some people who have done the ultra where you climb all nine in one day, including driving to and from each peak. So like, you know, it gives you kind of a, an idea for how long they are. They're mo- they're all under half a day. They're all a half day hike or less. So that's a, a fantastic start, especially if you've never been to the ADK. Gives you a good idea of what the trails are like. Most of the trails here, switchbacks are not a thing. Okay, we, so we're, we'd be comfortable because oh, you'd be very comfortable. Yeah, there, switchbacks aren't a thing. We our our trails, they find a drainage, and you're just going to hike right up it. That's. Yep. That's the, I mean, that's like the Northeast kind of way, right? It's the, it's what we do, I guess out here, but yeah, you're just going to go, you're going to go right up it because of the, these trails, you know, most of these trails, they were built for a long time ago because what the Adirondacks was just a destiny, you know, a vacation destination for, you know, the New York city and the Boston elite. That's where they cut, they'd come up here to the, they'd retreat to the wilderness and these hotels and these areas, they needed to give them activities to do. So like, okay, walk up a mountain great let's carve a trail what's the fastest way to the top straight up and that's what they are all that's how all of our mountains are so you get in really good shape you get in really good shape when you climb these mountains but yeah switchbacks like that's not really a thing over here and it's not like it's a good thing i mean like the trails have their own problems because of that but that is that is ultimately what what it is here at least or and it's what you hear other people either complain about or say that's really unique about the adirondacks i'm huffing and puffing yeah, Stomp, I feel like we we always think New Hampshire is so unique, but it sounds like they've got a lot of the same dynamics in the Adirondacks that we deal with. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, except for search and rescue, apparently. Yes. I did some digging, and I did find uh, a SAR team up north. Sarnak, is that right, James? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yep. how many teams That's are there? Up. Well, there's so there's Sarnak. There's obviously the DC. There's Sarnak. There is uh, another team that's like out of Albany or Troy, which is like, like Western Mass, not in the Adirondacks. It's it's yeah, it's in that area, but they they come up pretty frequently too, from what I've been told. Okay, um, but in your opinion, do you feel like the state's underserved in terms of the Rangers being overloaded? Oh yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I think they'll all they'll all tell you that. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, the Adirondack Park, we're, so, you know, it's a one-day drive from 60 million American and Canadians, so it's just like, it's a hub, you know, oh, it's sure. like nestled between Boston, Montreal, New York City, Philadelphia, you know, even D.C. is only, I think, it's like a seven or eight-hour drive, like, you can get here, Ohio is only eight hours away, like, so many people will come here because the park is so big, right, it's, you know, as I told you, it's, you know, it's the size of, we'll call it the state of Vermont, so there's so many different points within the park. Sure. You know, you could drive three hours in the park 
and still be here. So, so suddenly three hours north is a lot closer to all these other cities and three hours south. Oh, it's a lot closer to Buffalo and Rochester now. So, so many people come because it's just like truly the perfect kind of little nook that it is here in the Northeast. And with that comes people wanting to get outdoors because that's what you do here. That's why you come here. You come to go to the outdoors. And what people don't realize is uh, sadly, the outdoor kind of recreation life does come with like a, needing a little bit of understanding or people typically overestimate their their skill set mm. and get themselves in trouble, which is what causes the search and rescues. And then sometimes you have very legitimate search and rescues. You know, I don't care who you are. You break your ankle on the summit like you need to be and you need to be rescued like no one's going to caught. No one's going to, you know, be upset with you. It just kind of sucks that that's what happened. But if you can't walk out, you can't walk out. Yeah. So, you know, they, we get all sorts of things. But, yeah, I mean, definitely the vast majority of search and rescues end up being you know, what you just wouldn't, what you just, you know, what you would dub like an unprepared hiker, sadly. But that's, that's, you know, that's what I try to, I try to, uh, I try to help curb that with my podcast. And I know I do a pretty decent job because I hear people send me messages, thanking me to telling them about X, Y, or Z. So at least it works in that regard. And what you guys are doing the same thing, like yeah. letting people know in an informative and entertaining manner, Hey, let me try to help you because again, it's like if people don't have a good time in the outdoors, they're not going to become an advocate for the outdoors or the Adirondacks or the Whites or wherever your whatever your you know your adventure takes you. And ultimately, that's what we need. We need more people who are have you know are enjoying it and want to help protect the lands because it's a it's a privilege to be able to you know be in, in just be immersed in in nature and uh climb a mountain i mean it's a privilege both physically and being able to do it like you know there how many people could not climb a mountain would love to be able to do it the fact that we can is is amazing it shouldn't be taken for granted but then also just the having the ability and the opportunity to get out there is you know it's life-changing as i told you for me it's completely changed the you know walking up hills completely changed the trajectory of my entire life so like that to me that says a lot and i like you know i want to I want to bring that to anyone else who wants it. And I want to bring it to them in any way, any way that I can. And I want to help them, you know, understand and respect this place and want to protect it as well. Cause it's also my home. And, uh, you know, that's why, that's why it's important to, you know, avoid, avoid having people have a bad time or needing to be rescued because they didn't know that Mount Marcy was a 17 mile hike, no matter which way you climb it. Uh, you know, they just didn't know when like, you got a, right across the parking lot from where you went in to hike Mount Marcy. You could have hiked Mount Joe. It's 0.9 miles to the summit, 600 feet of gain. It's got an amazing high peaks view. It's exactly what you wanted, but you didn't know. So it's a good time to get Marcy. ice cream too. That's it. Like you just didn't know that that was actually exactly what you wanted, yeah. but you didn't know. So, you know, I do what I can, I suppose. But. Yeah, the idea for the podcast. So, like, me and Stomp talked about a podcast. Like, I, I have a very, I had a very long commute before COVID. So, I was mm-hmm. constantly, like, I was sports radio, talk radio, podcast. So, and I was always, like, I wish there was a podcast about, like, hiking and mountain mountaineering, like I like. But there never was never anything good. So, I always talked to Stomp about, like, we're going to do a podcast and you know, we sort of talked about it for years and eventually we got around to doing it, but can you talk a little bit about like your calculation on putting together one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I also commute for work. Um, 
I work in New York City. I work in the film industry, so I'm a, I'm in the union there, and you know, traveling back and forth from the Adirondacks, you know, for the week, go back up, go back down to New York City, work the week, come home, and then between TV shows or movies, I'm you know, I'm home for a while. So like, I live a I live a life on the road quite a bit. So I have a lot of windshield time. So I also am a big podcast guy. I love to listen to them. Always did. And then after I, you know, I finished the 46 high peaks one summer, 2018 was the summer I finished the hike, finished, I hiked them all. And then I was like, man, there's, there's such a, and as I told you before, there's such the Adirondacks, it's such a thing. Like it's a thing for people to come here. And I never realized that because when you grow up here, you don't appreciate those types of things or even take note. So when I started learning via the hiking community, like this is such a destination for people and it's such a thing. I was like, man, wouldn't it be great if when. Joe Schmo and his girlfriend are coming up, coming up from New York City to hike the Upper Great Range. They could listen to a mountain or an episode about the Upper Great Range. And I was like, oh, or to just hear one person's 46er journey start to finish, because I always call it a 46er journey because it is a journey. We know when you start hiking those mountains, you know, you're doing mountain one or two and then you're on 46 like you don't think about the mountains the same way that you are, you're, you're a transformed person. It's it, it, I guarantee it's no different in the whites. Like if I were to go start hiking them right now, what I think of them would be drastically different when I'm at the end hmm. than it yeah, is when I start. You, go from, you know what I, I explain it to people is you go from thinking about the whites or I'm sure the Adirondacks as a single entity. And then all of a sudden it becomes like, okay, now you're breaking them down by wilderness and now you're breaking them down by types of trails. And like, I don't think of the whites as a single entity anymore. I think mm-hmm. about like, okay, I'm going into the sandwich range and I know that below 2,500 feet, I'm going to get this type of forest. And then when I get above it, so you do, you start to like, you get to know the personality of yes. all the features of the different sections of the forest. I always say that every mountain becomes a character in your story and <laughs> yep. it, it they are a character. <laughs> And that, you know, like I told you before about the Santononi range or Allen mountain, it's like, you just say these words to people and they're, and they're like, suddenly you have, you know, you have a bond to talk about and it's exciting or like, it's funny. And I'll get back to the podcasting real quick. This is just a side note. I remember when I hiked Allen the very first time and I mentioned it in the, in the podcast about it, because Allen is this remote mountain, you know, eight miles to the base and then up a really tough climb with like slime and just like, it's just tough. But, you know, everyone on that hike, this isn't, you know, this isn't the Marcy rats with a pole and spring bottle going, trying to hike Mount Marcy when they should have hiked Mount Joe. This is people who like kind of know somewhat about what they're doing and everyone's rooting for each other. Like when you're in Allen, you're on Allen. It's like, you know, that you're kind of further in your 46 year journey, most likely not always, but most likely. And you all know the reputation this mountain has. So you're like, the camaraderie with people on the trail that you don't know strangers like you're rooting for each other and that's so freaking cool uh yeah i love there's something there's something about that like you're so right it's like that shared experience across even generations like you're all you know even if you talk to someone that's much older you've all done the same hikes it's like a shared experience across time generations but you all can sort of harken back to sort of the same experience and it cuts across like you know whatever your like political views are or your Mm -hmm. social economic standing or whatever it cuts across all that which is kind of unique like you don't have that you know you have it like when you're rooting for sports teams and, and you know you get that in some respects from like local 
um, community, but it, it's, it's, it seems like it's not as common as sure. anymore. That's one thing I like about hiking. Yeah. Same. And I always say, on, I say on my podcast all the time, the mountains are the great equalizer. Like they don't give a damn what's in your bank account. They don't care who you voted for. They don't care right. what you believe you're either going to make it to that summit or you're not going to. And that's, and that is a very good lesson to take away. Like sometimes you just got to quiet that noise and that's what I like about the mountains. Man, there's so many life parallels to, to being in the mountains. But to go back to your original question, sorry for a kind of side noting there, but yeah, the podcast, I was like, if I have all this windshield time, imagine if I was going from New York to hike the Upper Great Range or Giant or Cascade, whatever mountains I'm going to hike, there wasn't a podcast I could listen to about it. And that's as a person who works in the film industry, kind of my brain defaults to like tell a story narrative. So I decided, okay, I'm going to tell my 46er journey start to finish because I did it in one summer. So it's like kind of a good, it's just a story. It didn't take years to do. So it's a good, like quick story. So I started writing and I, I scripted out, I scripted out my story and I had, I had taken a lot of notes at the end of every hike. When I get home, part of my routine, like when I get on the couch after, you know, take a shower Take this, keep the socks off, sit down on the couch would be to quickly write in my notebook, like, okay, I gotta get my thoughts down or like what happened. So I wouldn't forget because I want to remember this journey. This is a journey. And then that expanded when I eventually I was like, this idea of doing a podcast would be cool. So yeah, a few months after I finished the hiking, the 46, I was like, that would be a great podcast. So I, I started writing it. And that's why I told you I started in 2018, but didn't launch the show until spring 2019 because it took me like four months to hike the 46 high peaks. And it took me like five and a half months to do the podcast. It like took me a long time to write all the scripts out, record, record, edit. And each episode, you know, it's a narrative story and, you know, I sound design it. I have, you know, I have sound effects and, you know, as I say, like I signed into the trailhead at four thirty AM boom, sound of sound, sound of a trailhead register. You know, I just wanted to basically to take people on the journey with me and, you know, you're commuting to work. I want you to feel like you're in the woods. You're not commuting into New York City. You feel like you're at the trailhead. And uh, that was my vision for the podcast. And from there, I had no intention of continuing. I just wanted like a person's 46er journey to exist somewhere. So, you know, as I'm the type of person to do, if it doesn't exist, I'll create it. And that's what I did with the Lake Placid Niner. That's what I did with the podcast. So I made it and uh, I released them all Netflix style in the spring and, you know, there was 17 episodes because that's how many hikes it took me. And uh, I just released them all at the same time. Here you go, everyone. Here's a journey start to finish. And then no intention of continuing to do it. But then just, you know, kept getting messages and messages and messages asking for more episodes. And I was like, well, I'm always out hiking. That's I mean, I could just do like some other mountains now. And I started that and it's just progressed and evolved uh, tremendously, which is exciting. And uh, yeah, again, it wasn't planned in any stretch. It was just a. Uh, a natural organic progression to, okay, so now most of my episodes are about hiking um, and me telling my story in the mountains. Okay. It's like, but I'm just some guy. I'd, there's so many better stories to be told. I was like, Oh, most people who listen to podcasts, like, you know, these types of episodes where people are talking, having conversation, let's start. Do, I'm going to start doing other episodes too, where I talk to someone about it. And I always make like, for me, with my podcast, I want the Adirondack Park to be the star of the show. Like I am so set, I am so far behind down on the totem pole in my mind 
I want the park to be what shines. I want the park to be the star. And then, the, you know, the person I bring on the podcast and these episodes are called summit sessions where we just chat. But that person tells about a different subject, whether maybe it's a subject they have an expertise in, you know, ultra hiking or, you know, bushwhacking, whatever, whatever the episode was about. Or they're telling their story about, you know, hiking the Northville Placid Trail, whatever. And uh, but the point is, like, the focus is that the ADK is is the star. And uh, I think that comes across really well. And I think people like that because, again, like people are obsessed with this place. And it's something I never knew growing up until even as an adult until I started hiking is when I learned that and you know I do other things I also you know you know there's again the water world here in the Adirondacks is just as big as the hiking world and I'm I like fishing hunting uh you know camping like there's all sorts of things to do so I you know mountain biking they're just like expand it to really showcase this place and that's how the show the podcast began and it just kind of expanded and now there's you know, I've also written like fictional campfire stories where they're just like spooky, fun stories set in places on the trails that people know and they pass by. So it was like I have all these just like fun stories. And now that's turned into, you know, published books and, you know, all that. Now I have like a writing deal with the publisher about doing all this stuff and it's exciting. And it's just like totally not anything I had planned. It just kind of morphed and evolved because I just kept doing it. And uh I don't know. I feel like I, because I keep the park, the, the kind of uh, central theme. And again, that's what I want to showcase and that's what people like. So it's kind of, uh, become, become, a an animal all in and of itself that I'd never expected it to be. Because again, I just figured here's my 46er journey. See ya. Have fun. Enjoy. I hope you like it. And, uh, it's, it's expanded tremendously over the last, wow, four years now. Yeah. Four years crazy wow. well you've sold me stop we got to get out there oh i'd love to come we'll on over trip. sounds great we'll do it yeah we're gonna do an episode and then you'll be out you'll you know i'm gonna put a recorder on you when we're out on the trail so that we have you know have your sound bites too when i'm editing the, the episodes together oh geez seven miles into mount allen i'll be crying you can <laughs> you can get me don't worry <laughs> we won't do what? alan we won't do alan we'll do something we'll do something quicker we'll park at the bottom of giant mountain that way you guys can just go right up the mountain and right back down 3,000 feet of gain in three miles real quick. We'll just go up and down. I like that. I like that. Um, can you talk a little bit about your, um, what's your setup? You're more of a day hiker than a backpacker, I take it? Yeah. I mean, I live here, so I, I, I'm more apt to do a, you know, a 20, 22, 23 mile, like get in, hit the range, come back out, then stay in camp because it's like, I can just go home, take a hot shower, eat some hot food. Um, but yeah, because I live here, I tend to just do long day hikes. That t- that's typically what I do. I have backpacked the Northville Placid Trail, which is 138 mile. It's like, it's, you know, it's, it's our version of, you know, the long trail or anything like that. It's just like, it's the closest thing we have here. But, um, even though you can do, you can do all, all the high peaks in one trip, I, which is on my list, like in my life, I would like to do that. Uh, I have three young kids, so right now it's not happening, but hopefully at, at some point. But yeah, definitely day hiking in and out, go, go to the gas station, get a milkshake at Stewart's and then, uh, go home and take a hot shower, call it a day. That's my style. Are you, are you a fast and light person or do you tend to take a little bit, um, more gear and you're, you're packing for, you know, staying out there if you have to. I am not a lightweight hiker by any stretch. <laughs> I am an old textbook, textbook overpacker. Nice. I mean, I do, a, I do a little day hike and I, I mean, my pack, 
my pack never weighs less than 30 pounds. I don't, I don't even know why. I don't even know what I have in there. <laughs> I just like oh, stop has found his spirit animal. So just I want to pause for a second <laughs> yeah. here because it looks like it looks like you have a musical background. So stomp has a musical background. You mm-hmm. both seem to have this like audio editing skill mm-hmm. and then you're both carrying 30, 40 pound backpacks. So <laughs> I feel like you've got the beards going on. You, you, yeah. you guys are like the spirit animals here. Yeah. Glasses too. So. Like it's a no, it's I don't even know why I I was just out in the high peaks just last week. And I was my buddy that I was with who, I mean, he just absolutely crushes these mountains. And uh, he's, his pack was like, dude, his pack was like 11 pounds. And I'm like, what, what do I have in my backpack that is so, wait, I don't get it. I don't, I don't even know. But I mean, I know it's in my pack, but it's like, I'm just, I just always overpack. And then the winter, I mean, forget it. The winter, I'm ready. I'm ready to stay there overnight. I'm ready, unfortunately, but like, you know. I mean, I, thankfully, I've never needed to use any of that stuff. But yeah, I'm definitely a textbook in general overpacker and a rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And the amount of food that I bring for a long day in the high peaks. So if I'm doing four or five mountains, I have four or five sandwiches in my backpack plus snacks. And I always I always in the high peaks have like at least five or six liters of water, even though the amount of rivers, the amount of rivers and water you can get and just yeah. scoop up you is just like, pack, every, rivers are everywhere. You need my 150 liter pack. I do. Well, no wonder your buddy's carrying 10 pounds. You got everything he needs. So he doesn't have to carry it. That's the thing. It's, you know, it's, I'm a good person to have. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a 220 pound guy, six feet tall. So like I can handle a nice big backpack and it doesn't really phase me as much, but like, I also just don't get why mine is so, so heavy, but yeah, I bring a lot of water, even though, yeah, like I said, there's so many rivers and stuff you can, you know, get water from really nice rivers, but not always. I mean, some, some different ranges, it's like, once you leave this part, you're on your own. So, but in general, yeah, it's cause I have a three liter bladder that's always in my pack. So that gets filled up at home. And then I have two or three, you know, Nalgene's in the backpack that have electrolytes in it. So it's like my, I got my electrolyte water and then my just regular bladder water. And that's all maybe, I mean, maybe that's where my weight comes from. But then in the winter, my pack's even heavier, but I have even less water. So I still don't quite, don't quite dialed that in as to why, but, uh, it's no different at work. Like at work, I have my, what's called my set backpack that I bring to set at work. Yeah. And, uh, my, the guys I work with, they may make fun of me too. They're like, what is in your backpack? And I'm like, <laughs> I change a clothes and a raincoat. I don't know why it's so big. I just don't quite. But then, you know, you start digging in and you're like, oh, I have this and this. And then, oh, that's right. This piece of equipment from like three jobs ago is still in my backpack. So there's kind of that element. I guess I just, in general, that's just, I can't fight it. I just accept it for who I am. James is like, why do I have three sets of micro spikes in the bottom of my backpack? He's got 13 pounds of water. Yeah. <laughs> is that what that weighs? 2.2 2 liter. per liter, yeah. Wow. James, don't you my make whole, fun of my these water alone like was... count ounces? Like, I make, <laughs> well, are you kidding me? not me. worried about an ounce? Uh, not me. When I did the Northville Plastic Trail, my pack was... So that, that, so backpack in the Northville Plastic Trail, I mean, I had, you know, cooking, you know, backpacking stuff, you know, pads, sleeping bags, cookware. I feel like my pack even then was only like, I think it was only like 45 pounds, but it's like, so then why is my day pack still 35 pounds? I don't get yeah, it, but, uh, I'm in the same you know, boat. it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. I can't, I don't fight it now. And now I just, uh, 
I accept I accept it for what it is. Keeps my back strong though, so that's good. <laughs> true, yeah, true. If you ever did decide to go like ultra light, like you'd be an animal going oh, up the trail. Well, I see these people. I see these people trail running, and I'm like envying them because sometimes I'll go. So I remember before I said these people hiking Mount Marcy. What they should have done is gone across the parking lot to Mount Joe. Mm-hmm. I, I go up Mount Joe all the time, and. I'll hike that. I'll just like go grab my trekking poles and run up that, you know, it's 0.9 miles, 600 feet of gain. It's a good like exercise mountain. Just like get outside on a nice day. And I'll go up that with just my trekking poles with no backpack. And my God, like the feel of how it's, it's almost like it feels weird being in the woods without a backpack on. And then like in the fall. So for in the fall, like when hunting season comes, I have like a, like a waist strap kind of like, fanny pack belt pack backpacky thing but it's like a fanny pack with shoulder straps and even then when i'm running around the woods and running around the mountains i have like nothing on me and it feel it's it's like an it's like a it's so weird in my brain to not have a backpack on and to be able to like not feel so tied down i do you do feel light as a feather you just it really feels do naked yeah it does it's a weird kind of weird feeling but uh i do like it but yeah when it, if i'm in the high peaks i'm just ner- i'm nervous i guess i'm just like just in case, just in case. Well, you've sold us Stomp. We got to get it on the list. We got to get out there. I got this Yosemite trip. I'm, I've got planned, but then maybe we can get out and do a winter hike. Uh, winter is the time. Yeah. Winter is. I mean, winter is great. Um, yeah, it's funny. You know, you guys don't live far, and I don't live far from you guys. But I haven't gone to New Hampshire, and people are like, "Why don't you guys? Why don't you go do some episodes somewhere else?" And I'm always like. I drive five hours each way to go to work. I'm not driving anymore to like have fun. Right. Yeah. You know, I drive a long way to go to work. And uh, so to, to when you already live, I live in Lake Placid. I'm literally in the heart of the high peaks. It says it on our damn uh, town sign at the heart of the high peaks. So it's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay right here because there's a lifetime of things to do here. So if I didn't travel for work, I'd be more apt to go elder places. But because I do, yeah. How common is that that people do like the week in the city and then come back in very in, uncommon, not oh, common. Okay. okay. No, I'm just like, I'm just crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. But you know, I just, you know, I just gotta be in the outdoors and it's, you know, you on a Friday night, when if I'm, you know, I go to work on a Friday night, especially if I'm going to like get to start driving early in the film industry, we work like really weird hours and you know, if we're shooting nighttime scenes outside, obviously we're going to work all night because we need to be outside and it needs to be nighttime. So like sometimes I'll always start driving Friday night, but every, occasionally I'll actually make it all the way home Friday night. Not always, you know, sometimes I sleep on the side of the, you know, at a, at a rest stop in my van, which I have like a converted van and I'll do that. But the excitement and the joy on a Friday night, knowing like, Oh, I'm going home. I'm going to go back to the ADK I mean, I feel like someone who doesn't live there too. When they when they when they get into the Adirondacks, like I'm giddy. And then you get out, especially like when you got in the van. Like let's say you got in the van in Brooklyn, and then I drove north, and I didn't stop for gas, and I made it, you know, basically all the way to the park. And then I stopped for gas, and I get out, and you get out, and you. And the last air you smelled was New York City, and the next air you smelled was the ADK. Yeah. Whoa, I mean, it's it like is noticeable. Plan. It is, yeah. And people don't people don't realize that, but it is legitimately super noticeable so no, it's not common though at no slightest do you ever pick up any film work in the Adirondack? i feel like that's like a hub for like hallmark movies like that's a perfect setting for that type of stuff no i've never i've, I've done over the years i've had like a hand like a 
little little job here, a little job there. But like, no, 99% of the time I'm in New York City. I've done a few, I've done a bunch of movies in Massachusetts. I've actually done, I've done eight TV movies, either Hallmark Lifetime or, hmm. yeah, Hallmark or Lifetime movies. I've done eight of those all in Massachusetts. So I've actually done a, I've done a bunch in Massachusetts, actually. This is your man, Mike, for Kittens, Kittens for Waterville. <laughs> Mike, oh, Mike's oh, getting giddy. He wants yeah. to retain I've you. Got, I've got an idea for a Hallmark movie script. Maybe I'll send it your way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a sound guy, so I don't really have much pull. But yeah, we could, uh, we could start as long as like, as long as you know, it's basically if it's a Hallmark movie, it needs to be a woman from the city who <laughs> doesn't have time and then marries a country Check. boy. Check. Check. Perfect. And then Perfect. If it's a Lifetime movie, Conflict. it's a it's a woman who is has to get out of some relationship or has to defeat somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then we, oh, then we got it. Funny. Yeah. I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of those movies. Yeah. It's always over Christmas, of course. Oh yeah. Romance. It's funny. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a Hallmark movie that's on Netflix because this was like, this was going around the, you know, like the, so the Adirondack hiking Facebook pages, there's a, two of them and they both have like 20,000 people. Like it's, it's crazy. So there's a lot of big people in that community or in this community, but this past, I guess it was last Christmas or maybe it was two Christmases ago. Now there was a movie on Netflix, which was a Hallmark movie. And it was, everyone was talking about it in these forums, but it was, it took place in Lake Placid, but like <laughs> clearly there's like, there was one shot of the sign, like the town sign, everything else, like nothing about it looked remotely like Lake Placid, but everyone was like, there's a movie in Lake Placid. And I had the people messaging me, did you work on this? And it was like, it's fake. It's not really in Lake Placid. But yeah. yeah. It was in Mansfield, Massachusetts was where they filmed it. Probably was. All right. Excellent. So uh, anything else you want to plug, James? No, not really. Um, I will say um, for your listeners in particular, so this past winter, uh, obviously you guys were struck really hard with the back-to-back deaths in the in the whites. Um mm-hmm the girl from Massachusetts and then the guy like the, a few days later. Yeah. Uh, um, that, you know, that spurred me into an, again, doing what I can do to help remedy that. And I love winter hiking. I think it's, I mean, I love the summer is my, is what my, I prefer the summer, but like the actual summits in the winter are a thousand times cooler. Yeah. So I'm a big winter guy and, and I, I did a winter hiking 101 series uh, right after that happened. And that basically just kind of motivated me to to do one. And I spent a lot of time um, getting as much information down and um, putting those episodes together. So I did. And it originally was going to be one episode, but there was just so much. I realized as I started like writing the episode and figuring out what I was doing, there was so much to know. And it like it still crushes me to this day because I know if either of them listened to those three episodes, they would not have what happened wouldn't have happened. Uh, and it kills me to think that they're like just the idea of somebody freezing to death out there, like makes me want to cry. Like it's just such a, a lonely way to go. And it's you know, it's like I can I can't imagine. But, you know, you're out there and you're freezing to death. And, you know, that's I just can't even imagine. But if you are new to winter hiking or you want to try it, I think that's a, you just go to my podcast and look for winter hiking one-on-one. It's a three-part series. Um, I put a lot of time into that information. I start 
from the ground up. So, I, you know, the first episode is all about what's on your body. The second episode is all about what's in your backpack. And the third episode is um, emergency situations, avalanches, uh, you know, ice, hurricane, all that, everything. So uh, if you do want to winter hike, I, it was inspired by what happened in the in the White Mountains over the winter. And I think that's a really good place. And anytime I'm on a podcast, I like to say that because uh, it, that's the type of information that people that can actually save someone's life if they find themselves in a in a predicament. So I, I do want to plug those, those three episodes, but, uh, hope you don't mind, but um, no, it's great. Yeah, yeah. it's perfect. I'll grab those and add those to the show notes. And we did like a two part series where we mm-hmm. had, um, some really great guests on to talk, talk through. And it's such a hard thing with winter hiking because it's part of it is you have to do a lot of research. Another part of it is, is that you have to get out there and then you really, what's best is to get out there with people that have done it and sort of mm-hmm. know what they're doing. Cause there's just so many little tricks and techniques and, you know, they don't all work for everybody, but you know, there's all these things that you just need to keep track of. And it's like, Mm-hmm. you're a list guy there's a list of like 120 things that you have to think through for winter hiking so it's yep. it's not easy no it's not and there's you know it's it's something that even as I, like i said as i was putting the episode together I w- there this it w- became a three-part series it was like as i started writing like there's so much to know and i didn't even realize there's so much to know because it's just become so second nature at this point but like if i was somebody who had never done this and wanted to get on a summit in the winter it's like well they wouldn't know any of this information they wouldn't know about base layers they might not know about puffy jackets like they might not know about any of this stuff so it was crazy how much information i was basically starting to write down when i start to really break down what do you need to know to get out there and and yeah it's 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 crazy and i always tell people and even for me I don't go out in the winter unless like I'll go on like smaller mountains. I go on all the time just for fun. Um, like, like a quick, nice sun, summer day, or sunny day. But if I'm going into the high peaks, I don't go in the winter alone. I go in the summer alone, fall all the time hunting. I'm obviously by myself running around bushwhacking and stuff. But um, yeah, the winter, I, I don't, I don't mess with that. It's not worth it. To me, it's not worth it. Um, too much can go wrong too quickly. And when something goes wrong, it does not take long for it to be really wrong. So that's why, that's why I'm pretty cautious. And I mean, going with what you just said about, um, going with other people, this was not this, maybe it was this past winter. I don't know. I'm, I, it might've, it was either this past winter or the previous one. Um, but I think it was this past winter, a, a gentleman died on, he was he was by himself he was in his 60s he was climbing the mount colden trap dike now the trap dike is like the the the, you know it's like it's the place that is you know it's badass you get some really unbelievable pictures you're climbing up a slide basically but it is not for everyone there's rock climbs on it's like it's legitimately not for everyone and this gentleman had climbed some huge mountains on planet earth like he was a very experienced person and uh search and and he died out there he was found under like you know under a couple feet of snow he was by himself he went the morning of a giant snowstorm he went by himself and he went up the trap dike uh it's just a recipe for disaster but also it's like the weather changes so quickly and so you know drastically in the winter in the mountains so it's like you just don't know which is why in my opinion going solo is just not worth it you don't usually see two people die in the winter, but you very often see one person die. So I think that's, I think that also says it. I don't want to like end this episode on a downer, but 
uh, it is a, it, when, when I was talking with you guys, it was like, that's what inspired that whole kind of thing. And those episodes, I've actually never had so many episodes or so many of my podcast episodes listened to from people from all different, like so many different States. So like yep. the information was very applicable no matter where you go. So that was cool. People were sharing it, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's the real deal. And it's no different in New Hampshire than it is here. It's, but also they'll flip, you know, flip it and let's have a fun ending here. Uh, the winter is awesome. The winter is a great place. And just like with hiking in general, you start on small mountains, you work your way up, you do a little bigger, a little more remote, a little bigger now, and then you start to dial in your layers. And over time, then now you're summoning mountains and it's covered in Dr. Seuss, fluffy snow. And it's just like absolutely the best view you could ever see on this planet, in my opinion. Yeah. And you can do a little butt sledding. We do that oh, here the in, best. in the White Mountains. It's so much fun. So The best. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, actually. It is pretty shocking when you said, like, we're only, like, seven or eight weeks away, but you're right. Like, we, you know, the summer goes by so quickly, mm-hmm. and even now, like, it's, the sun's setting before eight o'clock now again, so mm-hmm. it just goes by so quickly here in the Northeast. <laughs> and that's just, like, seven or eight weeks until, like, Mount Marcy will start to get some yeah. snow flurries, but, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I the only, I I don't have micro spikes in my backpack from, like, June to September, like they go back in in September. So I guess technically June, July, and August, they're like the only three months of the year. I don't have micro spikes. And then in the winter, you have to have snowshoes with you. If there's eight inches of snow, which is always, mm-hmm. um, and you have to have them on. So, uh, actually, you know, going back to your question about regulations, that is something you will get a ticket for. If you don't have your snowshoes on, um, if there's eight inches of snow drift, which is like, there's always eight inches of snow. Um, yeah. So that's See, something we, that we typically like our move is like, there's no regulations. So most of the, the weekend warriors of which I'm probably one of, we wait for all the, the hardcore locals to go out in the middle of the week to break mm-hmm. trail after the snowstorm. Oh, yeah. And then we can just wear microspikes. <laughs> sure. See, I actually, pref- I used to be the same exact way, but then I became like a, I became a snowshoes from the get go at all times because I just found it easier. Like, yeah, it's like clunky at first, but I feel like after a quarter of a mile, you kind of figure out your footing. But yeah, I've actually, I used to be the same way. And then I found that I prefer the snowshoes. I'm a big guy. It gives me more to step on. And yeah, I, I changed my ways because of uh, ease. Super cool. All righty then. So what do you think, Lynn? I didn't say uh, the O word. You're doing well, but you're still losing. That's actually very interesting. And from your perspective, exactly, Stomp. Actually, okay. So, yeah. What do you think, Mike? <laughs> ding, I ding, think ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to talk with the bell, but uh, but this is great. So, Stomp, I think that we're going to bail out on the search and rescue news because we're at two hours. So, we'll push that to the next episode because I think the next episode is probably just going to be a Mike and Stomp. So, that'll give us some some stuff to cover here because, James, I, I think I probably could talk to you for another five hours if, if we kept going. But, um, you know, we're at two hours at this point. So, I don't know, Stomp, you got any questions before we wrap up? Yeah, James, I wish we had you uh, more vocal on the uh, pop culture because I'm curious what your take is succinctly on the SAG-AFTRA and Writers Guild strike and if that's impacted you. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a, a business idea for you. I think you could do like a Hot Ones YouTube, but instead of Hot Ones, it might be High Ones, the taking you know celebrities out of work up on the high peaks of the Adirondacks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, that, wouldn't that be something? Right. I did a movie... 
I mean, I've done a couple movies with him, but I did a movie with Adam Sandler a few years ago and I was talking to him about it because he heard that like I like to go hiking. So we were, he was just talking and I was like, so what's it going to take to get you on a mountain? Nice. He goes, go. ah, <laughs> nothing. That was, that was what his answer was. That's ah, hilarious. Not going to happen. Oh, that's um, funny. But yeah, I know the SAG-AFTRA, uh, I was on a show and the show, show uh, shut down because everything is shut down due to strikes. Yep. So yeah, it's affected my... It's affected my wallet dramatically, and uh, hopefully that gets fixed and solved at some point here. Mm. My union, the you know IATSE, which is the crew, basically. I'm a sound guy. I'm the crew. Yeah. I swing the microphone, and uh, hopefully they get solved because we are the collateral damage of all of this, sadly. But yeah, for sure. it is the summertime, so you know I I I come home. I make the best of it. I'm home with my family. Uh, you know I'm not going hungry yet, so we're good. I can go outdoors, so I'm a blessed man, regardless. But yeah, yeah the Hopefully it gets solved uh, shortly so I can go back to work and earn a living and, uh, you know, keep playing in the mountains. Excellent. Well, we appreciate having you. And just for listeners, like just, Thank you for having just me. to wrap this up, um, you know, just a comparison from the whites to the ADK um, at 3820 feet. You have James, please help me on this one. Couches Raga? Couches Raga? <laughs> Nailed it. Kooks Raga. Oh, that was great. That was fantastic. Kooksakraga. Okay. So a comparison a comparison there would be, say, the Cannonballs or the Nubble. And then when you go to your highest peak, uh, which is Marcy at 53, you're talking about either Mount Madison or uh, something at that height. Just so. Yeah, Lafayette. Adams. Lincoln, Lafayette. Yeah. Or Monroe, even. So, Madison, Monroe range. So, just, just to have that perspective in your mind. Well, Stomp, hopefully we'll get out there and James can tour us around a little bit. But um, thank you so much. Um, this has been fascinating. And I think that, you know, you gave the listeners a real good taste about the Adirondacks. And, you know, we'll definitely stay in touch and hopefully we can we can get another show together. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, if you guys come out here, please hit me up. I'd love to get out in the woods with you guys. And then uh, then we'll do an episode on my podcast. We'll see what your what your thoughts were on your your first trip to the ADK though. I, you know, if I, if I do get out to New Hampshire, I will absolutely be hitting you guys up as well. So yep. thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And Lynn, who, who's the winner? <laughs> who's all the right. Winner? So we've, we have a big winner here and with a score of 96, Mike is the big winner. And Stomp is the first loser at uh, 91. Holy. Sorry, mm. Stomp. Not bad. I mean, I, th- I feel like we corrected ourselves <laughs> when, we, when we got caught. So I think it's a learning process. All righty then. No more verbal ticks for us. Mike, Mike started off hot, though, too. You Right at the top, you, you hit a lot. You got a lot of points quickly, but then you kind of settled into your game. You were kind of like a pitcher who had like a bad first inning, but then settled in. <laughs> I wrote everything down. You wrote them so down and cheated. Yeah, well, that's all right. Well, congrats, Mike. No hard feelings. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> thanks, guys. Later. See ya. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stump, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fish and game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots, and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words that describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Lieutenant James Neeland, New Hampshire Fishing Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? It seems to me the most common is being unprepared. I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all. 